Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. A little bit earlier than usual, but here we are. Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. This is the preview edition of Shout. Uh, we're we'll taking a, a closer look at Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins on Saturday night in the snow, it appears, here in Orchard Park. I mentioned we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, and right now you can win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. Uh, so, Ryan, this episode is going to be a little bit different. We have uh, Carl Jones coming on from WROC in, uh, in uh, Rochester. I've been trying to get him on for a while, um, and we, he was supposed to come on the Wednesday show this week, but when we changed things around, we said, why don't you jump on here and uh, you know help us uh, preview this game, so we'll get to a lot of things. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Looking forward to having Carl join us here in a little bit, and ready to talk about what's a pretty big game for both teams. I think the best place to start for this game is like, make, what should we make of the weather conversation i've talked to a bunch of players this week we've seen the chatter on social media you know mike mcdaniel walking through the uh, Mm -hmm. air-conditioned miami dolphins facility in a wish it was colder t-shirt better be careful what you wish for and that's coming from somebody that was crying out of practice on wednesday afternoon as the winds blew in my face and it was like 15 mile per hour winds i don't think it was anything crazy could be up to 30 miles per hour and that to me is the biggest thing that people don't understand about this cold it's not the temperature it's not even the snow it's when the wind gusts hit you at oh, those free like close hurts. to freeze like zero time it hurts and so how much are you making of all this do you think it's going to be a, a factor in this game yeah i think it's gonna be a huge factor in this game uh if you look at three of tua's worst nfl performances they're all in cold weather games uh this one's gonna have 30 mile an hour wind gusts he's coming off of two bad performances against the Chargers and 49ers. You have Mike McDaniel wanting it to be colder, and I couldn't help but laugh at the Miami beat reporters saying they had the AC cranked up, and it was about 55, 60 degrees in the facility. (laughs) Listen, that might be cold for the Dolphins, but that's nothing compared to what they're going to get on Saturday night. And I don't know if Mike McDaniel is just kind of playing up the whole, oh, we're not even going to worry about the weather, and it's more of a mental thing. There, there's certain there's something to be said about it being a little bit of a mental hurdle. But when you're a warm weather team like the Dolphins are, 
Uh, you have a quarterback that has never played well in cold weather. Tua saying it snows in Alabama. It's never snowed more than like uh, seven inches or something like that. But Ryan, but Ryan, but Ryan, you forgot. Tua went to Maryland when it was like 20 mm-hmm. degrees. One time. He threw a couple passes to his brother. He's ready to go. Felt good. Let's go. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, to me, it's all kind of ridiculous from the Miami side. Mm-hmm. And, I think it was Greg Vorce who I saw post this, and I kind of agree with it. I'm starting to get like these Rex Ryan type vibes from Mike McDaniel. People do forget how good Rex Ryan was early on in his tenure with the Jets. Uh, AFC championship games, knocking off some good teams. McDaniel has a long way to go if he even wants to be a a Rex Ryan. And mind mind you, he's an offensive mind and, and Rex was defensive. But the bravado, the T-shirts, the, oh, we're not paying attention to this, very entertaining guy. But two weeks in a row, your team has been exposed by good defenses. Uh, Actually, a good defense in San Francisco, not even a good defense with the Chargers. A lot of backups in that game, mind you. You're going into a must-win game if you're the Dolphins, in my opinion now. And and you're kind of playing off the weather and – I don't know. I, I could just see this blowing up spectacularly in their faces on Saturday night. I mean, if you look at their five-game win, win streak, right? Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans, the Chicago Bears, the Lions, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you're talking about a collection of defenses that allowed us to see the best version of this Miami Dolphins offense. And I think most critics... Even people that have argued for Tua. And listen, I've been impressed with Tua this year. You can get him the player. You got to roll it, roll the ball out and still make the plays and make the throws. And he's made a lot of big ones. And if they can find different areas to attack this Bills defense, like I'm not saying that they can't have success. But they, I wasn't overwhelmed with them back when they had the advantage of Poyer being out, Jordan Phillips being out. At Oliver. At Oliver. So it, it was a, a different Bills defense that they faced back then and even then it was like they made a couple big plays Tyreek Hill is going to probably beat you once or twice every game but to me the the storyline of this game is centered around an offense now that again has been kind of you know plodding along a little bit less uh effective than it was early in the season they've had a couple of games where they found them which has been nice uh for the Bills but they're now going to probably get a new piece back into the mix as early as Saturday. I'm really feeling the vibes. Like it's going to be Cole Beasley season uh, in the snow again. And you know, Cole Beasley he likes to go out there in the short tank top. It, it used to be the wind or the, the hair blown in the wind. Uh, he got his tooth fixed. I was really disappointed in myself. I didn't <laughs> ask him about when that took place, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be involved in this game. And it was so interesting because Brandon Bean said, the biggest thing about Cole Beasley adding him back to the offense is that he's like an extension of the run game because of what he does in that short passing game. So this is the kind of game where if the weather elements are what they are, you're going to want to have an outlet for Josh to be able to make reliable plays, catch the football number one, and then, you know, move the change on third down. And I think that they're in a situation right now where, there's a lot of moving pieces, but the main pieces are there. They're going to go up against a um, a Miami Dolphins defense that we'll talk a little bit more in a little while. But I think there's some advantageous matchups that uh, they can exploit and, and build upon from the from the last matchup. Yeah, and Brandon Bean already said he, he's not ruling out Cole Beasley playing in this game. Uh, he knows the system. He knows the offense. He's stayed in game shape. 
I was talking to someone close to Beasley and they were saying how, how excited Beasley was about the potential of at that point, it was about half a foot of snow and he was really excited about coming back and playing it. And now the forecast is even more, uh, he's someone that Josh Allen trusts and Matt, how many times have we seen Josh Allen have to use his legs to roll out of the pocket on a third down play? And he just needs that one player to get open. Cole Beasley is that guy who was always getting open for him in the middle of the field that safety valve. And yes, when he's working and he's doing his best, that being Beasley, then you can get maybe Gabe Davis working the sidelines at one of his specialties. You already have Stefan Diggs. Uh, you have John Brown who, you know, he's been on the practice squad, but Dawson Knox and the list goes on. You're giving him all of these weapons back that he was lacking, that he was missing. Having Cole Beasley back allows more of this offense to open up too, where I think there were certain plays they couldn't run when, when Cole Beasley was not here this year, because He's just so knowledgeable about playing out of the slot. So I think he's going to have a big role in this game. Uh, there are ma- matchups for the Bills to attack against this Dolphins defense for sure. You know, they, they kind of went all in at the trade deadline, adding Bradley Chubb. I don't think he's necessarily made the impact that they were expecting. Uh, there's still a lot of issues with this defense as a whole, and I think the Bills can find some of those uh, mismatches and work them in their favor on Saturday night. It's funny on this defense because I've been – a bit critical of them, right? Uh, especially going back to earlier in the season. But I, I will say this, that going back and looking at some of the advanced numbers from last weekend, they got pressure on Justin Herbert. They were in the backfield. They made life hard on him. I thought Christian Wilkins was a force in that game. He was great. Bradley Chubb had four uh, pressures as well. They had four sacks as a team. So that line is starting to generate uh, some momentum, which is very important because they have so- tons of talent on the back end. Josh Allen was talking about that defense, and one of the first names out of his mouth, mouth was Javon Holland and what he's able to do in that secondary uh, or like deep part of the field. And also they bring him up towards the line of scrimmage at times as well. Um, so there's a lot of challenges with how this Bills a, a deep, uh, offense is going to attack the Miami defense. Additionally, they're going to be without uh, starting right guard, Ryan Bates. Uh, he's been ruled out already, as has uh, Jordan Phillips. He'll miss another game here. It's been, you know, the same story for Jordan Phillips again this season. You know, it's so tough. He's such a talented player, uh, but he struggles a lot to stay on the field. And at his size, you know, 330, the height, the way that he plays the game, like it's not really surprising, but it's disappointing for, for a guy that flashed so big early in the season. What do you make of the Bates development? We kind of, you know, touched on a little bit the other day. I mean, this is something, you know, to monitor and, and now he's going to be out probably looking at Greg Van Roten, but we talked about it before the show back in the first game against the Dolphins. They, they weren't, they didn't have Mitch Morse, which I think was a catastrophic type of situation. Right. So Deion Dawkins getting healthier, which is big news. You'll have Morse in this game. They'll miss Bates, but I, I think it's something that they can kind of manage and navigate. Yeah, they can manage and navigate it. Obviously, it hurts when you lose one of your starters, especially on an offensive line where the depth is questionable. And the depth on a lot of offensive lines is questionable in the NFL, if we're being honest. And, you know, it might be a Greg Van Roten who takes over that spot, whoever it may be. It's a step down in play. And you were just talking about Christian Wilkins and this Dolphins mm-hmm. line and, and the pressure. Uh, and, and while they did get a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert, Herbert was so accurate with the ball in terms of making plays with that pressure in his face. That could, going back to Cole Beasley, that could just be Josh Allen's bread and butter. If you're going to bring pressure in my face, I'm just going to drop it off the, the short passing game, get it to Cole Beasley, get him going. Uh, I can obviously hit Stefan Diggs in those one-on-one situations. You trust him. 
So it it's, will be interesting to see what kind of game plan the Dolphins bring in in terms of pressuring Josh Allen uh, versus sitting back, playing back. But I really, like we were just saying, I think that Allen's going to be able to beat the pressure with his legs, get away from it at times, uh, and obviously use his arm too to hit some of those receivers that might be open because of that additional pressure coming in his face. I'm just looking at Josh Allen's stats here. 400 yards passing he had in that uh, game in Miami. Now they they ran the they ran 90 plays, so it's not you know shocking. But man, has it been a while since the Bills saw uh, Bills fans saw a huge passing performance from Josh Allen. And you know the more we're learning about you know that injury over the course of time, like he sprinkled out little nuggets here and there. You know, talking about a. Uh, uh, an injection that he had in the elbow um, recently or right after the injury to get him to a, a place where he could play. I mean, I definitely think that that's something that kind of talked about it not being a huge issue after a few games, but who knows? I mean, it might be a situation where this continues to nag him. I was watching him right out at practice today before that he wasn't even in the stretch line. He was doing this like really kind of intensive, like, uh, you know, stretching slash, uh, arm mobility, neck mobility kind of deal. So, you know, they're, they're managing that as best they can, but it's surely the dip in production. Listen, I know defenses can have an impact on the way that this offense plays and the success that it has, but this consistent amount of, uh, you know, drop in production, I think probably speaks to something more going on there and not having baits against these, these defensive linemen for the dolphins is going to be something to watch for sure. Yeah, with Allen's elbow, I'm in agreement with you. It's definitely affecting his play. There's been throws that he has just simply missed that he wouldn't have missed if he were healthy, if his arm was healthy. Uh, and 100%, I, I go back to that digs throw early in the game against the Jets where uh, he created that separation, was open in the middle of the field, and Allen looked like he was about to uncork it to him, and he was just off the mark. And it was a bit surprising. He gets better as the game goes on. But I think it, you can see how he's been starting off a little bit slowly uh, because of that elbow injury that he's been dealing with for some time now. So it, it might be something that he has to deal with all the way through the playoffs as well. You were hoping and optimistic if you're a Bills fan that as the season went on, limiting the reps in practice, that he'd get back close to 100 percent. But it, it might just be something that lingers until the offseason where you can truly get it back to 100 percent. If you want to be at 100 percent this weekend. Make sure you get over to Tops and try to get a couple more gift cards for the it's the holiday season. Christmas is, is right around the corner, and they have Christmas bonus going on right now. Tis the season to save on groceries and all of your holiday gifts. Christmas bonus is underway at Tops, and that means shop there and save ten dollars at all of your other favorite stores and restaurants. With over twenty five gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list. And don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts like toys and games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's. Great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings. That new big screen TV you want from Best Buy and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. And for a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. 
For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right. We got the, the man, the myth, the legend in the, in, in the waiting room here, in the green room, if you will. Mr. Carl Jones, how are you, buddy? Man, I'm all good, man. Happy to be on. How you guys doing? Great, man. We're happy to have you on. And, you, and you're jumping in at, at a perfect time. We talked a little bit about uh, this game coming up here. Obviously, the weather has been a big storyline. But I want to talk to you specifically, you know, for, for fans that, that don't follow your work. Obviously, you played football at one of the highest levels you could play it. And I think that perspective is important to, to sprinkle into this conversation, especially when we're talking about a player like Tyreek Hill, who has absolutely just dominated the NFL this year. And I, honestly, I can't remember. I think Ryan and I were talking about this the other day. I can't remember the last play, non-quarterback to get this much MVP buzz. What are the, the biggest challenges to facing a Tyreek Hill-led offense? And then for the Bills specifically, how do you feel like they'll approach defending him on Sunday with – or on Saturday with the way that some other teams, the Niners and the Chargers have had some success the last couple of weeks. The thing that sucks about guarding a guy like Tyreek Hill is you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So if you want to get in his face and press him, if you miss the line of scrimmage, well, you're not going to beat him in a foot race. And then if you're too far off the line of scrimmage, he's so quick that you better close the distance and break on those routes because if you don't do so, he's always going to leave the league and yak and get yards after, after the catch. So you kind of got to live in the world of just, you know, he's going to get you sometimes, but you got to be aggressive in that mindset. Now, having said that, what the Bills can duplicate with some of the things that the Niners and Chargers have done in the past two weeks, Tua, as we all know, loves living in the middle of the field. And we've seen the, the clips on social media over the past week or so. And what the teams have done, especially on first and second down, They've asked their corners and their safeties to play a little bit more inside leverage and forcing a guy like Tua, who doesn't have a Josh Allen type of arm, right, to make some of those throws to the outside the numbers. Now, Tua can do it. He made a couple of throws against the Bills back in Miami in September. But if you ask him to do that over and over, as opposed to, you know, the easy, quick little slants to Tyreek Hill, now a five-yard catch turns into 25 because those guys run 4-2-4-3. So I think Leslie Frazier, or, I mean, it's a copycat league, right? I mean, he, he wouldn't be wise to not look at what the Chargers and Niners have done and implement some of that into his game plan. But outside of, if you look back to the game in, in September, it wasn't like Tua let the Bills on fire in that game either. Now, I know the snaps were a little kind of uh, lopsided because of the Bills stayed on the field on offense. But outside of the Tariq, I mean, the Jalen Waddle deep pass down the field, they really kept that offense in check a little bit. So I'm sure they'll implement some of the things they brought in September and then also some of the things they saw on film the past two weeks. Yeah, and, you know, the Chargers game is in the freshest in my mind. Obviously, it's the last game that they played. It, it was interesting to see how the Chargers were jamming him on the line, considering they had so many backups in their secondary in that matchup, and yet it really did work to their advantage. The, the biggest He had one big catch, and then he obviously had the fumble that he picked up and ran for a touchdown. But with the personnel that the Chargers had versus what the Bills are going to have, I will be interested to see if, uh, jamming is an option. Is there someone that you think in, in terms of athleticism would be better off on Tua if they were going to go the jam route? 
I mean, Kyrie Elam, I, I understand that he was a healthy scratch uh, two weeks ago and then he was active last week, but I um, only saw, I believe, one snap on special teams. But if there's a matchup for him to get back into the lineup, I think this is it for him. Um, obviously, he may not be the best at zone coverage at this point in time, but he was drafted out of the SEC for a reason. And what they do down south, is they run with the best of them. Um, I believe he's a 4-3 type of guy. He's long, rangy. Um, just ask him to get in Tyreek Hill's face and Jalen Waddle's face. And look, you're going to miss against those guys. Those guys mm-hmm. are really, really good players. Like, like you alluded to, the Chargers personnel wasn't that great. They had a lot of backups. But if we're going to if we're going to get beat, I want to get beat being aggressive. I would much rather not get beat being passive. And I felt as if in pre- previous years, I felt as if the Bills were a little too passive against some of the things that the Chiefs were doing when they played Tyreek Hill. It's like, you know what? You guys are going to get beat regardless. Might as well get be aggressive more often than not. Because now you're forcing Tua to miss throws and hold on to the ball a little bit longer and allow guys up front to get to get home. So I think Kyrie Elam will be a great matchup for what the, the Dolphins bring to the table. It's interesting because the big story this week, and I'm, I'm running a big uh, feature about it um, as we speak, um, it has been Cole Beasley, right? Like the, his reintroduction into the offense, the potential of him possibly playing this week. And, and I definitely do think that he's going to be a lever if he does play that, that, that will be helpful. But I, I'm also thinking that wouldn't this be just the ultimate Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott move to throw this Cole Beasley wrinkle curveball in and then unleash Isaiah McKenzie, McKenzie, who has had so much success against this scheme and this defense over the last couple of seasons. I mean, you go back to the, you know, week three, and I know he needed an IV at halftime. He had 76 in the touchdown in that game. And he has given their, whoever they've lined up at nickel cornerback, fits over the last couple of, of meetings. Do you think Isaiah McKenzie could have a, a more pronounced role um, this weekend, even with Cole Beasley back in the mix? The Dolphins live in that man coverage. You know, we're going to live on an island and tell your guys to, you know, go out there. And, and as a DB, it's kind of worrisome to even watch them play just because they have no help out there. And for a guy who's explosive like Isaiah McKenzie, that's why the matchup has been so great for him. Cole Beasley, the zone buster, right? He's going to find the ways, uh, find the little holes in the zone and, and get and get open and he is great against man as well but a, a guy like Isaiah McKenzie he's really athletic and guys on the slot you don't want to chase around a jitterbug like that all day especially when they're athletic to go with that side to side quickness as well so I, this could be an opportunity for Isaiah McKenzie to um to show up because the Dolphins secondary obviously they're banged up they've been banged, they've been banged up the entire season right mm-hmm. but Isaiah McK- they need some guys to step up and I feel like Lil Dirty will be a, um, a prime guy to do so you know, Carl, we were talking about it earlier in the show, the weather. How much do you think the weather is going to factor into this game? What, what's your opinion on Mike McDaniel and the uh, how he wants it colder and Tua talking about throwing a football once in Maryland uh, in the cold and how it felt good and that it snows in Alabama? So I played at Syracuse and I was blessed. I played in the Dome, right? So I didn't get to play in the snow games all the time. I did play in Boston College a couple of times in late November and Pitt as well. It's going to be cold, but everyone's cold out there. It's all a mindset type of deal. And honestly, outside of the quarterback, I really don't know who else is really affected out there because no one's going to like it. Like, Stephon Diggs may have played in Buffalo the past three years. He's not going to enjoy being in 20-degree weather either. Now, granted, with someone like Tua with the wind, I think is the bigger issue than just being 20 degrees. Cutting across those crosswinds and, and having the arm straight to make some of those throws. Josh Allen, obviously – prefer to play in great weather, but if there's a guy built to play in some type of weather like this, his skill set is conducive to do so. I think all other players on the field are going to be like, you know, this is miserable. Forget it. Let's just play hard as we can and get the game over with. However, 
I mean, I am interested with a guy like Tua, whose arm may not be an A-plus type of arm, crosswind, snowy. Can he make some of the throws that are needed in a game like this? I'm curious. We have uh, somebody tweeted, uh, messaged me with a question, and, and it's something that we we kind of get a lot, and somebody with your football experience I think would really help paint this picture. So in a game like this where, you know, you mentioned Tua likes to play in between the, uh, the hashes, how much – is that interior pressure important up the middle? And, you know, one of the questions was, would it make sense to maybe move a guy like Greg Rousseau inside a little bit more, something he's done in the past to um, affect those throwing lanes a little bit more? Now, I would myself, if I was answering this question, would come back with, I think the Bills do a really nice job in the games that they run and getting Craig Rousseau to get on the inside naturally from the edge, with which I think creates confusion, right? And then you have Tremaine Edmonds at that second level. What what do you think the best way to, to, to deploy these guys is against Tua? And then also, how much of a problem is that having those two guys, specifically Edmonds and Rousseau, uh, in those throwing lanes? I mean, Edmonds is a freak like size in the middle of the field, which I know in the secondary that helps out so much. You know, this quarterback – holding on just one half a second longer just because he can't get the window, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the strength of this Bills front, I guess, interior has been their D tackles. I don't want to take one of those guys off the field to move Gregory Rousseau inside. And like you said, I believe he got a sack last week, I mean, last week with a game where Ed Oliver went up the field and and uh, Rousseau came up under. So I don't want to take Ed Oliver. Um, I know Jordan Phillips is out, Daquan Jones. I don't want to take those guys off the field just to move Gregory Rousseau inside. Plus, I think the DNs are probably more of the issue with this team anyways. Let's keep Gregory Rousseau on the, on the field and uh, find a way to let those D tackles who had a phenomenal game last week continue to, um, to cook from, the, from that spot. You know, Carl, in the first matchup, one player that the Bills didn't have was Jordan Poyer, and you alluded to that one deep pa- pass that uh, Tua made to Jalen Waddell. How much of an impact do you, do you see J- uh, Jordan Poyer making in this game since he'll be back there on the back end for the Bills? Huge. And I know the Dolphins run a lot of motion and a lot of misdirection stuff to confuse guys on the back end. And the guy who's seen it all, who's been in this league um, a very long time, is not going to be fooled by that type of stuff. I know that I believe on that specific route, the front side was um, Jaquan Johnson and on the back side was DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin will still be in this matchup, but Jaquan Johnson has not seen nearly as much reps in this league as Jordan Poyer has. Plus, I understand there's certain routes that, you know, they're just going to they're going to get you beat because the guy runs four two. All right. Having said that, Jordan Poyer has gone against four two much longer than Jaquan Johnson has. So it'll be a, a huge advantage. I mean, Jordan Poyer has played against Tyreek Hill what, four or five times at this point. He's not going to be obviously not going to be comfortable with the speed, but he's seen it before and he's going to understand what angles he should take and, and what he can and can't get away with as opposed to some guy who's in his third or fourth year seeing that for the first time on the bright lights. So your first year uh, covering the Bills, you started with WROC in June, July? No, I started last September, but I didn't really get like full swing probably until like the winter sport. Yeah. Got you, got you, got you. What? So you've been kind of paying attention though, going back to 2021 then with this Bills team. Correct. What has been your impressions, 30,000 foot view of the season so far? Because there's been some criticism obviously of this offense in in the in recent weeks at times the defense and you know that you go back to that Minnesota game when they allowed 33 points and obviously the way that that you know game played out what what's been your impressions and how have your preseason expectations met with where we sit here after 13 games 
I'm not going to say it's exactly where I thought it would be, but I did think the first two weeks of the season were a little bit of fool's gold. I even felt like I felt that way even when the games were going on. I mean, this is the NFL. The guys on the other side get paid too. You're not going to beat everyone by 30 points every single week. Having said that, is it a little concerning that it's December now and some of the things on offense aren't clicking like you would like it to be 100%? It is December and the CB2 spot is still a, a big question mark in my eyes. The health up front, you know, isn't consistent where it needs to be. Is that concerning? Yes. But I do want to like pull back a little bit and just look around the league. The Eagles are dominating and rightfully so, but they still haven't been to that level yet. They haven't been into the playoffs. So you don't know how they react when they get to that point. Look at other teams. The 49ers are on their third string quarterback. So who God knows how that's going to react when Brock Purdy's on the road, you know, in Philly, how is he going to react? The Bengals are the Bengals. The Chiefs have their own issues. They they let Russell Wilson have his best game of the season. So I understand things aren't Danny Lyons and Roses, and you aren't beating teams by 30 like you were in the beginning of the season. But just add some perspective. This is the NFL. Everyone is good. It's not going to be an ascension every single week. Things aren't where you would like them to be, but just about all 32 teams in the league can say that. Matt Milano off the um, injury report this week is about as big a news as I think Bills fans uh, or no, I I should say on the injury report, no designation for the game. So all clear to go. Same kind of situation as was last week. Tremaine Edmonds back healthy. Jordan Poyer as healthy as he's going to be. How important is that triangle back there? Because against this team, any one of those pieces, I feel like could really be a detriment to the Bills, whether or not. I mean, we, we talked about it at nauseum. The middle of the field against this Dolphins team, I cannot stress it enough, is the key to the game. If you've watched, Mike McDaniel comes from the Shanahan tree with all the zone run scheme and all that type of stuff, and they live in the middle of the field. Anybody who's watched the Niners over the past three some odd years when Jimmy G's been there, if you've ever seen Jimmy three Jimmy G throw the ball 30 yards down the field outside the numbers, you haven't seen it, okay? So there's a reason why this, this scheme, this, this team, they live in the middle of the field. So you want your best players, your guys who, I mean, Milano and Poirier at least, should be all pro type of guys. Edmonds had a phenomenal year in his own right. You want those guys to be there because, man, you don't want them to get, get confused. You want them to get their depth on those um, motion, the motions going across the field, play action. You don't want them to bite. Um, those guys are huge, even more so than, I believe, the corner spot. Because I understand it's a concern. Trey White's not where you want him to be yet, coming off of a serious injury. But the middle of the field is where this game is going to be won and lost. I mean, can you keep Tua not comfortable and keep him outside the numbers? You know, Carl, what's interesting to me and Matt and I have talked about it is from the the view of the fan base right now, it almost feels like certain games, certain weeks, the sky is falling. And yet the Bills are sitting at 10 and three. And one year ago at this time, they were seven and six. Uh, So first of all, one impressions on where they were from one year ago to today. What do you think some of uh, I guess the best way of phrasing this, what do you think of Ken Dorsey, first of all, in terms of how he's handled his first year on the job as offensive coordinator? And and then two, for the fan base, is it just that the expectations were maybe too high going into this year? Everyone was kind of basing where the Bills should be based off of those last four games of the season. Like I know the Chiefs off, uh, the Chiefs game, the offense was clicking on all cylinders, the no punt games against the Patriots. And I feel as if everyone thought that's the norm, like, Let's dial it back a little bit, guys. And not even, you know, Mahomes in his, I don't want to say prime, but like in his MVP season, they weren't clicking like that every single game. You're going to have ups and downs, right? I mean, look at the Rams last year. I mean, they didn't really get clicking. They 
they went through a low as soon as they got OBJ where they were like, hold on, did they just make a mistake getting this guy? And then they ended up winning some games on the back end and, and, and winning it all. It's a long season, and I know week-to-week league is, you know, monotonous. No one wants to hear that, but that's true. But on Ken Dorsey, I think this is what you expect out of a first-year play caller. If I'm not mistaken, no first-year play caller has ever won the Super Bowl. So if we ever thought that this was going to be a smooth sailing ride to a hopeful Lombardi trophy, you were mistaken. Having said that, I do think that we kind of forget there were times last year where fans were upset with Brian Dable, and I get it. Play callers around the league are always going to be the get the backlash on Twitter. It's the easiest thing to say. Oh, the play didn't work. It's their fault, right? Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember last year against the Jaguars where the Bills couldn't figure out how they wanted to implement empty against the Jaguars. They just couldn't do it. And obviously they lost the game and the sky was falling then. And Dorsey found – I mean, Dable found a way to get things done. We'll see. They're, they're going to have a couple stretches down the stretch here where I think that um, Dorsey will have have to pull out a good game plan. Dolphins bring something unique to the table. The Bengals uh, defense, once again, showing that they'll rise to the occasion. They may not be week to week as good as some of the other teams in the league, but they shut down Mahomes again when they needed to do so. He'll have some opportunities down the stretch to prove how good he actually is. But at this point, I'll just say incomplete because he's probably done with of. Like, it's kind of hard to judge. Right now, over at Value Home Centers, they have uh, four days uh, left of the Milwaukee Packout promotion. Uh, it is a special Value Home Centers gift card promotion that is on now. If you buy $199 worth of qualifying Packout storage solutions, you get a $50 value gift card free. Buy $299 worth uh, and you get a $100 value gift card for free. Head over to valuehomecenters.com um, for more details. Ryan, uh, Carl gave us his key to the game. We now have to give our value keys to the game. So why don't you uh, start us off? How did the Bills get the win on uh, Saturday night? Yeah, and I agree with Carl's in terms of taking away the middle of the field, but I'll, I'll pinpoint it down to limit Tyree Kill's big plays. Uh, he is one of the biggest reasons why Tua is having the season that he is. Uh, I think that Tyree Kill is the MVP of that Miami Dolphins team. And if you can limit those big plays, if you can take him, the timing of his route off just slightly, it, it will throw off Tua and the Dolphins offense. We saw that early in the Chargers game where that connection was just slightly off the mark. Uh, so limiting the big plays by Tyree Kill for me is my key of the game. What about you, Matt? I agree with both of you guys. And, and and for me, the key to this game, as I think we know what we're going to get out of the middle of the field on defense for the Bills. We, met, we talked about it a few minutes ago. To me, I think they need to continue the momentum from last week with this front and the way that they've operated, generating pressure and then finishing at the quarterback. And this is a game where, you know, a lot like Mike White, two is going to be a standing target in there. It gets the ball out pretty quick. But if you're able to defend long enough, guys like Ed Oliver, who is – off the uh, no, no injury designation for this weekend. Um, Daquan Jones out, on the outside, AJ Epinesa, who's starting to seem like he's finding a little bit of momentum on the other side. And obviously Shaq Lawson will have plenty of motiv- motivation for the second straight week against a former team in the Dolphins. That's to me the, the key to this game, because if you get into his face, if you hit him, if you make it hard in these weather conditions you know, he's just going to be doing a lot of thinking back there. And that to me is the key uh, to the game. All right. Every week, Carl, uh, before we get to the final part, we'll get to that in a second. Our final, our pick segment, uh, we'll ask you for a pick. And if you don't have a pick, you can just give us how you think the game's going to go. I want pe- you to tell people a little bit more about yourself, uh, where they can find your coverage. And you have a, a, a super cool story. There's 
I would say you're you're the only one locally on the on the beat uh, that that cover the team in the in the different markets that has played like big time college football. So that's super cool. Tell people a little bit about your your journey. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Originally played at uh, Saint Edward High School, the greatest high school in, uh, in America, I like to say. But um, <laughs> from there, uh, was fortunate enough to receive a, a scholarship to play at Syracuse under Dino Babers, who was still there. Played corner, safety, nickel. All, all three of those for my four years there at SU. Went to a bowl game, the Camping World Bowl, during a turn of three season. Um, it was a, a phenomenal time, man. I learned a lot. Went against some guys, some some really, really good players. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I mean, you name it. Uh, the, wow. the ACC is a, is a litany of guys. Lamar Jackson, actually, my first ever college start was against Lamar Jackson. It didn't go well, Ooh. guys. Look it up. It wasn't good. Okay? That's why, like, when I see Lamar doing other things to other pro NFL players, I actually get happy because it makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was it was a grand time. Played at Yankee Stadium. Played at Death Valley a couple times. Played um, at LSU. It was an awesome time, and I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. From there, um, got my master's at Newhouse, um, the School of Communications at Syracuse, and was blessed that here in WROC in Rochester that they afforded me an opportunity to be a sports reporter and anchor here. So that's where I'm at right at the moment. I'm blessed. I'm happy that you guys thought of me to bring me on. And let's hope this, uh, this, uh, this coverage you guys are doing is great from my perspective. I'm always uh, looking, looking from a distance and it's always dope to see you guys. Carol, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jones 11 underscore, um, I'll, I'll be tweeting my thoughts on what, everything that's going on. Um, Perino has much better uh, analysis than I do at this point. I'm still learning the ins and outs. But uh, from time to time, you'll see me tweet a video of like what I think the Bills did defensively because that's what I like to um, focus in on a little bit, just what I thought maybe Trey White or Dane or DeMar is doing on the back end. But Jones11 underscore, you can find some of that stuff on my Twitter. Uh, that is false. It's the first lie you told on this on this podcast, and I'd appreciate it if you bring some more truth to this situation uh, when we bring you on. No, this has been awesome, man. I, I hope to make it a regular thing. Uh, you do a great job out there, and um, you know we've had that on before. Uh, you know, sister station to WIVB doing Buffalo Kickoff Live with all those guys. It's a great time. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, though, we go around the horn. Give our prediction for this game. It's a big one. The weather up to maybe nine inches of snow before kickoff definitely could have an impact. How do you see this one going? Man, I know I said snow doesn't matter, and I know that it's a mindset and all that good stuff. Having said that, if you look at the history of Tua playing in these type of games, it's not great. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with his physical capabilities or limitations. Um, I, I don't see the Dolphins putting up a lot of points. I, I really don't. I think this is a game where if they get to 20, I would genuinely be shocked. Um I, take away the schematic things that teams have done against them the past two weeks. I think the weather for him in particular will be um, a big issue. I can see the bills maybe not clicking where they need to be on offense, but I see a game where the bills get it done 23, 13, you know, low scoring game for that type of explosive uh, offense on both sides. That's too funny. I had 24, 13 with the bills winning this one. So we're right in the same ballpark. Uh, I think that the bills obviously have played in these conditions and, and obviously it hasn't necessarily gone well. Last week, they got off to a, a pretty bad start. Ten punts between them and the Jets in that sideways rain in those conditions. And this will be snow. This will be a little bit different, but the wind gusts as well. I think the Bills are going to be able to do enough to put up a few scoring drives on offense, create a turnover or two on defense, and win comfortably 24-13. to Matt? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of the outlier here in terms of how I think the game is going. I have the same winner. I do think the Bills end up winning this game. But I think that the, the, the conditions aren't going to stop the Bills' offense as much. I got them winning 38-24, to 24, and here's why. Josh Allen has proven the ability to play in cold weather, windy conditions. I think that if everything is good with the elbow and he's feeling all right, on, and that could be a thing. Like If it's not feeling good, if the weather affects that at all, that could definitely have an impact on this. But I, I just think that there's too many ways. Right now, I look at the Dolphins as, a, as an organization, and they're on the ropes. I mean, they just were out in California for 10 days. They got beat up by two really good football teams, um, San Francisco more than the Chargers. But, man, the Chargers are good. Like, going into the season, I remember Bucky Brooks had the Chargers listed as the number one most talented roster in the NFL. So this is not a, a team that's sneaking up on anybody. And that, that Niners game, they really got beat up. And I think mentally right now, they're beat up. And I think that the stunt from Mike McDaniel this week is about getting, trying to lift his guys up. But the problem is going to be when you get on that plane to fly to Buffalo and you walk into that stadium and then you got to face the number one team in the AFC while dealing with what's happened in the last two games and what's going to probably happen over the course of that game. I just think it's easy to give up in those moments. And, and there's a built-in excuse. This is new for the Dolphins still, right? They, Went into this season as, you know, this kind of frisky team that maybe if they get something going, they can become this contender in the AFC. And it, it took off and they were the, the top team in the AFC East after two months. Well, now it's that kind of comeback down. And this is going to be another big time moment for Tua. And it just so happens to be in the worst environment. I think Josh Allen thrives in it. And I think that they score a lot of points. And I think it ends up being 38-24. You're, you're a bold, bold man going with that high scoring of a game. But, you know, that's why the games are played, Matt. I like to live life on the edge, boys. And speaking of living life on the edge, why don't you guys head over to the Carry Out Cafe at Tops right stinking now to get yourself just fully stocked for this weekend. Whether you're hosting a party or you're taking the tailgate down to Highmark Stadium for Saturday, they have check out this list of stuff. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizza, $14. The jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14. The legendary breakfast pizza. Listen, I want to see some heroic tailgater. Buy six large legendary breakfast pizzas at Tops. Bring them to the tailgate. Put them on like a like a I don't know like you get one of those uh, what are those things called Ryan the um you cook the uh, pancakes on them what are those things called griddle yeah put put them on the griddle you can have breakfast pizza all day long all the way up until kickoff pizza or taco log six counts seven sixty nine baby back rib sections five ninety nine a pound sub sandwiches wraps apps sides and so much more visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Carl, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for coming on. No, thank you, guys. And I wish you all, I wish you guys the greatest success ever. I look forward to all you guys' content. It's so good. And I'm, env I'm envious of it, okay? Well, you made it a lot better today, my friend. For Ryan, for Carl, I'm Matt. See you guys after the game on Saturday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.